0: MSW Media Thanks to AG1 for supporting our show. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free 1-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and 5 free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com/dailybeans. Welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, September 26, 2023. Today, Senator Bob Menendez pushes back on the charges against him and refuses to resign from the Senate. The FBI issued a notice ahead of January 6th that extremists would be willing to take violent action. Judge McAfee orders no juror information will be disclosed to the public in the Fulton County RICO case. The former president attacks MSNBC and General Mark Milley, accusing them of treason. Former Cassidy Hutchinson lawyer Passantino pulls Judge Chutkin in his defamation suit against Andrew Weissman, and Judge Eileen Cannon approves in part Jack Smith's motions for conflicts of interest hearings in the Mar-a-Lago documents case. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Everybody, happy Tuesday. Uh, One more day, and Tana will be back, I promise, in your ears tomorrow. Thank you to our patrons who helped make this show run, and thanks to our new listeners who are here. We have about doubled in listenership over the last few months. So, welcome. We're honored to have you. I'm excited to announce. We will be having the great Ali Velshi on the beans later this week, as well as White House spokesperson, special assistant to the president and senior advisor to the White House counsel's office, Ian Sams. I'm very honored to be able to speak with him in the coming days. A couple of quick hits for you before we get to the hot notes. Prospective jurors in the racketeering case against the former president and his 18 co-defendants got an extra layer of security Monday when the judge overseeing the case ordered additional safeguards to protect their identities. Once the cases reach trial, defendants, reporters and observers will be prohibited from recording, photographing or identifying jurors in any way that might reveal who they are, where they live or other personal details about them. This is Fulton County Superior Court Judge Scott McAfee rules. Now, McAfee ordered that the lawyers only refer to jurors by their number in court filings or in their remarks in open court. Now, of course, the defense teams and the prosecutors will have access to this information, at least some of it. Also, Judge Eileen Cannon has approved, in part, Jack Smith's motions for conflict of interest hearings, also known as Garcia hearings, for attorneys John Irving and Stanley Woodward, who represent De Oliveira and Nauta, respectively. The hearings both will take place on October 12th. By then, 75 days will have passed without De Oliveira or Nauta being able to speak to alternate attorneys. Now, the part she denied is that part. The DOJ asked for alternate attorneys to be present, alternate representatives to be present to advise the defendants. She denied that. She's also denied the DOJ the ability to present evidence. So this is just going to be a basic Garcia hearing for both defendants. Uh, One of them, they both go in the same day. And uh, Andy and I will cover this and what it means on the next episode of the Jack podcast. Also, if you haven't listened to this week's episode, I highly recommend it. It's really good. And we just interviewed Pete Struck, and I just interviewed Anna Bauer, intrepid reporter for Lawfare about the Fulton County case. That episode of Cleanup Up on Isle 45 comes out tomorrow. There's also two filings due Monday as I record this that have not been made by the time I <laughs> put this show down. First of all, Fannie Willis is set to respond to Mark Meadows' appeal to remove his case to federal court. I haven't seen that yet today. And Trump is due to file a response to Jack Smith's motion for a narrowly tailored restriction to his pre-trial extrajudicial statements, uh, which isn't a full gag order. It's a kind of a partial gag order, but I'll keep you posted on those as they happen. All right. We have a lot of news to get to today, so let's hit the hot notes. Awesome. Hot notes. All right. First up from Charles Pierce, colorful writer for Esquire. Ordinarily, he says, we don't jump every time a brush fire breaks out across the desiccated landscape of the former president's brain, if for no other reason than the fact that it would be all we did here in the Shabin, and life is too damn short. However, there was a general conflagration breaking out this weekend, and it is worthy of note because it seemed to leap into the desiccated landscapes of the brains of his allies, too. First, Fulton County, Georgia, inmate number P01135809 suggested that former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley, be executed for the treasonous act of preventing him from starting a war in order to stay in office, as detailed in this long piece in The Atlantic. There'll be a a link in the show notes. And he goes on to say, in truth and in the abstract, having the Joint Chiefs of Staff chief contacting China to reassure it regarding the ostensible commander in chief made me a little nervous. Trump tweeted recently, in part, quote, Mark Milley, who led perhaps the most embarrassing moment in American history with his grossly incompetent implementation of the withdrawal from Afghanistan, costing many lives, leaving behind hundreds of American citizens and handing over billions of dollars in the finest military equipment ever made, will be leaving the military next week. This will be a time for all citizens of the USA to celebrate. This guy turned out to be a woke train wreck who, if the fake news reporting is correct, was actually dealing with China to give them a heads up on the thinking of the President of the United States. This is an act so egregious that, in times gone by, the punishment would have been death. A war between China and the United States could have been the result of this treasonous act to be continued. Then, on Sunday, he expanded his list of potential people to include media outlets that have displeased his magnificence. Quote, They are almost all dishonest and corrupt, but Comcast with its one-sided and vicious coverage by NBC News, in particular MSNBC, often incorrectly referred to as MSDNC, should be investigated for its, quote, country-threatening treason. I say up front, openly and proudly, that when I win the presidency of the United States, they and others of the lamestream media will be thoroughly scrutinized for their knowingly dishonest and corrupt coverage of people, things and events, Why should NBC or any other of the corrupt and dishonest media companies be entitled to use the very valuable airwaves of the USA for free? They are a true threat to democracy and are, in fact, the enemy of the people. The fake news media should pay a high price for what they have done to our once great country. Now, later tonight... Right after I finish recording this episode, Rachel Maddow will be interviewing Cassidy Hutchinson, whose explosive testimony blew the January 6th hearings wide open. It garnered 15 million viewers, where the Trump-CNN town hall netted only 3 million. I think maybe he's nervous about that interview. I could be wrong. But we'll see. Now... Pierce goes on to say in this article, another newsworthy problem was addressed over the weekend by the Washington Post columnist Kathleen Parker, who once won a Pulitzer Prize and who has now crafted the single most oblivious sentence in the history of American politics. Quote, all may come as they are, or in John Fetterman's case, worse. Fetterman, who proudly outfits himself as the biggest schlump ever to enter the Russell Senate office building, reported to his job dressed in sweats, top and bottom. Frankenstein's monster would be offended. As little as I have loved Republicans the past few years, coinciding with the rise of our own little autocrat, at least Donald Trump knows how to dress. Pierce goes on to say, does he? Stylish and no-leak undergarments? Ties of a kind that we used to call dick wipers in high school? Bronzer and non-human hair color? To me, the former president... Looks like an earlier prototype from the good doctor from Ingolstadt. But I'm sure he was in proper business attire while threatening Mark Milley and everyone at NBC, just as Gosar was when he seconded the former president's motion. Clothes, after all, make the maniac. So that is from Esquire today. Speaking of Fetterman, from Travis Getty at Raw Story... Senator John Fetterman plans to give back $5,000 that Senator Bob Menendez donated to his U.S. Senate campaign last year. The Pennsylvania Democrat, who was the first senator to call on the New Jersey politician to resign, by the way, says he will return the donation in envelopes full of cash. (laughs) In reference to the evidence laid out by prosecutors in an indictment alleging that Menendez engaged in corruption with three associates and businessmen. This all comes from The Messenger, by the way. Quote, Senator Menendez should resign. He's entitled to the presumption of innocence, but he cannot continue to wield influence over national policy, especially given the serious and specific nature of those allegations. That's what Fetterman posted on Saturday. Quote, I hope he chooses an honorable exit and focuses on his trial. Now, on Monday, Senator Sherrod Brown from Ohio became the second Democratic senator to call for Menendez's resignation. Fetterman and others have opined that perhaps the reticence To condemn him and ask him to resign is due to Menendez's proclivity to hold a long grudge, insinuating that perhaps, I don't know, he has some dirt on some folks in the Senate or maybe later he'll retaliate against them. I'm not sure. But from Daryl Gregorian at NBC, Menendez suggested Monday he will not resign from the Senate amid federal corruption charges. He said he would be cleared of wrongdoing. Speaking to reporters at a news conference in Union City, New Jersey, where he once served as mayor, Menendez said, quote, I firmly believe that when all the facts are presented, not only will I be exonerated, but I still will be New Jersey's senior senator. They were his first public remarks since the charges against him were unsealed on Friday. Menendez also offered an explanation for the $480,000 in cash prosecutors said was found in his New Jersey home. Quote, much of it stuffed into envelopes and hidden in clothing, closets, and a safe. Menendez maintained the money was his, and it was earned legitimately. Quote, for 30 years, I've withdrawn thousands of dollars in cash from my personal savings account, which I have kept for emergencies and because of the history of my family facing confiscation in Cuba. These were monies drawn from my personal savings account based on the income I have lawfully derived over these 30 years. Now, the indictment said... Some of the envelopes contain the fingerprints or DNA of one of the people charged with bribing Menendez or that person's driver. Now, Menendez didn't address that claim in his remarks and did not take questions from reporters. Quote, the court of public opinion is no substitute for our revered justice system. We cannot set aside the presumption of innocence for political expediency when the harm is irrevocable. George Santos has also said he shouldn't resign. He said Menendez shouldn't resign. It's a very small club santos and menendez are in he also went on to say prosecutors get it wrong sometimes now it's unclear which family members menendez was referring to in his comments about the cash or whether their property had been confiscated while the cuban government began confiscating some property in 1959 after the revolution menendez's parents came to the united states earlier than that years earlier and he was born here in 1954 so not saying they didn't but would like more information Next up, from Ryan Riley at NBC. It's all treason news today. It's all NBC. (laughs) One week before Election Day 2020 and just over two months before January 6th, an internal FBI analyst concluded that domestic violent extremists were very willing to take action in response to a disputed election, but that law enforcement preemption and the disorganization of extremist groups likely would hinder widespread violence. The so-called Red Cell Report the type of exercise that became widespread after the federal government's September 11th intelligence failures are meant to challenge conventional wisdom and encourage outside the box thinking. It was titled alternative analysis, potential scenarios for reactions of domestic violent extremists to a disputed 2020 U S presidential election. NBC news obtained a redacted copy of the report through the freedom of information act quote in response to a disputed election, Domestic violent extremists are very willing to take action, but their capabilities to do so remain low, largely due to disorganization and law enforcement pressure. That's the October 27th, 2020 report laying out, quote, the most likely scenario. The redacted summary of the analysis makes no reference to then President Donald Trump and was finished just a few weeks after Trump told the far right Proud Boys to stand back and stand by. Several members of the Proud Boys have since been convicted of seditious conspiracy for their role in organizing and urging the January 6th Capitol attack, with former Proud Boys chairman Enrique Tarrio receiving a record-setting 22-year sentence in federal prison earlier this month. The January 6th committee and Senate Democrats have been critical of the FBI's lack of foresight and planning ahead of the attack. Trump's infamous Will Be Wild tweet on December 19th inviting his supporters to Washington. Both the committee and federal prosecutors say was the call to action that caused disorganized extremists to zero in on a date and a time. They organized. The very day Trump sent that tweet, NBC News reported about that tweet, a confidential human source told the FBI that the far right saw Trump's tweet as a call to arms and that there was a big threat of violence on January 6th. That was the day the tweet came out. NBC reported that. December 19, 2020, this 2020 FBI summary prepared by the FBI's Intelligence Council, Counterterrorism Division and Boston Field Office with contributions from another unnamed FBI entity found a less likely scenario identified in the report that domestic violent extremists would be, quote, very willing to take action and very capable of carrying out a wide array of violent activity. Another less likely scenario was that a domestic violent extremist group would be, quote, very capable, but they have low willingness to carry out their near-term attacks in response to election disputes. The least likely scenario was that domestic violent extremist groups would have low willingness to take action in response to a disputed election result, and those who are interested lack the capacity to carry out anything beyond a simple attack. That was the least likely scenario. Quote, the exercise concluded that domestic violent extremist capabilities and willingness to take action likely would drive their reactions to a disputed election result compounded with underlying grievances related to COVID-19 mitigation measures and racial justice tensions. Under this alternative analysis, law enforcement preemption and lack of coordination between domestic violent extremists likely would hinder widespread violence, though domestic violent extremists engaging in uncoordinated acts of violence remain a threat. A critique of the FBI's October 27th, 2020 red cell report was prepared by the January 6th committee, but never published. It found that the FBI product never considered that a broader right wing movement could come together and that a mob itself could be a threat. The FBI analysis was anchored by, quote, lone offender bias and the FBI, quote, missed the forest for the trees. An NBC News reporter viewed the congressional analysis in the course of reporting in an upcoming book, Sedition Hunters, How January 6th Broke the Justice System, which will be published by Public Affairs on October 17th. That is a Ryan Riley book. The New York Times first reported on the existence of the Red Cell Report and the January 6th committee's unpublished critique. The January 6th committee largely skimmed over the law enforcement failures ahead of the Capitol attack in its final report instead putting the focus squarely on the former president. But the report did say that the threat to the Capitol was foreseeable, and the top investigator on the committee later said the intelligence available was pretty specific, and it was enough, in our view, for law enforcement to have done a better job. An investigation by the Government Accountability Office found the agencies, quote, either didn't follow their established policies or procedures for reviewing the threats, or did not share critical information with partners responsible for planning security measures. A report from the Senate Homeland Security Committee from the Democrats concluded that federal law enforcement agencies failed at a fundamental level to fulfill their mission and connect the public and non-public information they received. The Justice Department inspector general is conducting an ongoing investigation that began in January of 2021. The FBI declined to comment on the red cell analysis, but said in a statement that FBI leadership spoke out about the threat of domestic violent extremism well before January 6th that the FBI warned state, local, and federal partners about the potential for violence at the January 6th events and that they mobilized 250 special agents and other personnel to help secure the Capitol. All right. Now it's time for a little schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. As you know, I reported yesterday that Cassidy Hutchinson's dumped lawyer who is uh, named Stefan Passantino has sued Andrew Weissman former Mueller prosecutor, MSNBC contributor, for defamation. saying you know, Because Andrew Weissman had tweeted out that Passantino had coached Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony and encouraged her to not recall certain things she actually did recall. Well, you'll be happy to know the defamation suit has been randomly assigned to Judge Tanya Jutkin. Now, I look forward to reporting on the Maddo-Hutchinson interview on tomorrow's Daily Beans. But everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey everybody, it's AG. As you know, there was a time in my life when stress seemed like a constant companion. My energy levels waned. I didn't get a lot of sleep. My digestion was giving me some real issues. I searched high and low for a solution and that's when I discovered AG1. If you're a longtime listener, you might know I've been drinking AG1 for about two years now. And when I started drinking AG1 daily, I quickly noticed a vast improvement in how I felt day to day. And I began to feel a tangible difference in my overall health. My mornings became brighter, uh, a newfound energy accompanied me throughout the day. And that's because AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, immune support, all the things. And, And since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create smarter, better ways to elevate your baseline health. My journey with AG1 began when I decided to replace my standard multivitamin regimen and all the other supplements that were taking up space in my cabinet with something better. Every Scoop provides prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for gut support, which introduced me to a world of genuine health benefits. After I learned about AG1's rigorous testing for contaminants and the experts behind its formula, I became an even more fervent advocate, recommending AG1 to everybody I knew. Now, all my friends and my family all take AG1 every morning, just one delicious scoop, before I go to the gym. We've never been healthier." AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why they've been a partner for so long. If you want to take ownership over your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free 1-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and 5 free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com/dailybeans. That's drinkag1.com/dailybeans. Check it out. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want to play What the Mutt or What the Hekwine, that was a fun one yesterday with the Icelandic horse. If you want to play Find the Cat, want to send pictures of frog orgies or baby photos or baby frog orgy, whatever you want to send to us. If it's a shout out to a small business in your area, an adoptable pet in your area you want to alert everyone to, that's amazing. Uh, If you want to give a shout out to a loved one or yourself, tell me what you're doing or your small business. Send it all to us, dailybeanspod.com. Just click on contact. First up from Kimberly H pronoun she and her. Oh my gosh, this dog. (laughs) The cuteness just took my breath away. Thanks for always helping me start my day with laughter. I wanted to send a small correction. I'm in Tennessee and our rep Tim Burchett's name is pronounced Burchett. Oh, cool. I said it right. Uh, I'm sorry if I said it wrong before Kimberly. We like to tell people it sort of rhymes with bird shit. Anyways, y'all make my day and I love you that you help us sort out the insanity that is our news one story at a time my pod pet tax is my sweet three-year-old baby boy Jax. he's a liver and tan miniature schnauzer who keeps us all laughing at his antics i love miniature schnauzers schnauzer 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 party look at this baby Ah, oh, thank you so much for that kimberly all right birchit sounds like bird shit everybody got it cool all right next up thomas pronouns he and him I saw They Might Be Giants perform Flood and other songs in Tulsa in May. One of the best shows I've ever seen. They played Sapphire Bullets of Pure Love backwards. Then they reversed it to forward in the intermission to undo the satanic messages. Wow. After all these years, they're better than ever. The whole tour sold out in two minutes, which is why I had to go to Tulsa. Every songwriter alive should be jealous of They Might Be Giants. Pet taxes. Nicola, the sweetest ever. Guess his breed or her breed. I'm sorry. Thomas I saw that I saw that show live I was able to talk to John Flansburgh afterwards the most truly one of the most incredible things I've ever seen at a show is to watch a band play one of their songs backwards and then play it forward and you know play it backwards so it plays forward and it was amazing and I spoke to Flansburg after the show like on the side of the stage I was like dude how the fuck he's like yeah that was hard I'm like oh my god like they said like Played it live backwards, not parts, the whole thing at the same time. All the instrumentation, the drums, everything backwards, the lyrics backwards. It was truly incredible. If you have a chance to Google Sapphire Bullets of Pure Love backwards, you can see what I'm talking about. It was absolutely stunning. Took my breath away. I was like, that is so... (laughs) Like, I'm a classically trained musician. I would not even try to attempt that. They're just geniuses. All right, let's check out Nicola here. Oh, hi, baby. Hi, sweet dog. Thank you very, very much. And yes, every songwriter alive should be jealous if They Might Be Giants, me included. Truly, truly amazing. All right, breed for this dog. I'm going to guess Lab and maybe uh, Cattle Dog or some sort of Hound Dog. Maybe Part Pity. Let's see what we got. And a Chow Chow. Throw a Chow in there. I'm told German short hair and Country Mutt. Okay, so all the things I mentioned are in the Country Mutt. I just want to make that clear. So I was almost all right. I just didn't have the German short hair. Thank you so much for that picture. Next up, uh, Katerin. Is it Katerin in Maryland? Pronouns she and her. I finally subscribed to your various podcasts and I don't know what took me so long. I have the best kid ever. He's nine, is a good human, and has a great sense of humor. One time I was confessing something ill-advised that I had done and he dryly let me know, quote, that's something an idiot would do. I love him. For my pet tax, my best friend was abandoned at nine months old outside a pet supply shop in a snowstorm. She's now five. She's a really great girl. Shepherd pity mix, we believe. Our neighbors love to watch her antics in the yard. 22nd video attached is the dog doing a chicken leg army crawl across the grass. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for that. What a beaut. What a beauty, beauty. I love the brindle color. Look at the Okay, that is a great video. And the ears, the ears are magnificent. Thank you so much for that submission. Next up from Mike Jones, pronouns he and him. First, thanks to John Fuglesang for the intro to the MSW family. I may be late to the party, but I love what y'all are doing. My shout out goes to Kirk Bangstad of Minocqua Brewing Company in Minocqua, Wisconsin. He's a true progressive and he's fighting the good fight against his ornery town council and also trying to overturn the parasitic voucher school system in his state, he deserves attention and support. Pet taxes, me and my best running buddy Cindy, just before we ran a mile in the doggy dash, she has since passed on. I'm so sorry, Mike. I miss her and her energy every day. Yeah. Cheers and keep bringing good trouble to the right wing bubble. Ooh, it rhymes. Good trouble to the right wing bubble. I like it. I love it. I want more of it. Look, I rhymed again. Anybody want a peanut? Okay. Beautiful dog. Love that you run. And everybody check out, I think it's pronounced Minocqua. M-I-N-O-C-Q-U-A. Minocqua Brewing Company in Minocqua, Wisconsin. If that's not how you say it, I look forward to your corrections. Next up from Carl. My wife and I drove down. Oh, before I get to Carl's, by the way, I I should also, from Mike Jones Post, give a shout out to John Fugelsang for having me on his show. It's called Tell Me Everything on Serious Progress. He is just one of the best dudes in the world. If you don't listen to John sang or follow him, I highly recommend it. He's a comedian, a reporter, commentator, just fantastic, fantastic guy. Thank you so much, Mike. All right, now, Carl. My wife and I drove down from the northern end of California to San Diego to attend my 55-year high school reunion, La Jolla High, 1968. It was nice to be back there for a visit. I usually listen to your podcast wearing headphones as I do the dishes. Wife cooks. I do the dishes. Here's a picture of our cat Petra, named after the ancient city in Jordan. Loves to sit in the open window in our bathroom, but she was digging her claws into the window screen and began to tear it up. So I put a child gate in the window to protect the screen. (laughs) Excellent solution, Carl. Happy 55 years after high school. La Jolla is beautiful. I'm very glad that you got to go. I love my town. All right, next up. I don't live in La Jolla, personally. I'm not that fancy. uh, But uh, San Diego is a beautiful place to live. Next up from Gwen. Not great news. My enormous beast of a cat has learned how to take the high ground. Got to sleep with one eye open from now on. Here's a photo of the cat up on the top shelf. Okay. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Be careful. Don patrol, Gwen. All right, finally, from Nick, pronouns he and him. Hey, y'all, I've discovered the perfect method to keep my rambunctious kitties from disturbing the laundry folding process. I give each of them their own freshly laundered cloth table napkin to sit on while I fold the rest of the basket. This pro tip saves dozens of kitty relocation steps. Love the show. Keep up the good work. Look, kitties on squares. How great! So, just every load of laundry you throw in these things, and then it's for the cats. When you do, when you fold the <laughs> fold the laundry, oh, that's wonderful! Hi, kitties. Thank you so much, everybody, for submitting all of your good news. It was a pet day, and I was very, very appreciative of that. Um, everybody, send anything you want into us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. And like I said, give John Fugelsang a spin if you haven't. And then also, your other homework assignment: Google "Sapphire Bullets of Pure Love" backwards by They Might Be Giants. It will blow your ever-loving mind. All right. That is the show for today. I look forward to talking with Ali Velshi and Ian Sams later in the week. Dana's going to be back tomorrow. It's a big week. I have a feeling some big news is coming. And I'm going to go watch that Matto interview with Cassidy Hutchinson right now. So until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q and bring someone with you. I've been A.G. And them's the beans.